Hey everyone, massive July 4th sale, 20% off the entire site until July 10th. Alright, so you guys might find this video as a surprise, but it's, I think it's actually pretty interesting and kind of cool. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is one of the coolest entries in the Star Wars saga, and blew my mind when it first came out in theaters as a little kid. Jar Jar and Darth Maul were all that anyone could ever talk about after it, but no one could forget the crazy wardrobes of Queen Amidala either. They were beyond anything we had seen in Star Wars. There's this one with the little yellow orbs at the bottom that kind of look like there's liquid in them or something like that, or like their eyes. And this one with hanging metal tassels like a Texas Longhorn. Padme clearly had some interesting style, and a style that even young Obi-Wan jokes about when he's searching her ship for things to sell to buy a hyperdrive from Watto. Padme wasn't the only queen to dress like that either. The queen's style went back centuries in the culture of the highly artistic Naboo society, and in the new canon book Queen's Shadow, we learn that the queen's wardrobe went well beyond just the aesthetic and everything actually had a defensive purpose. I'm going to read a portion from the book when a handmaiden reveals all of this, since I find it pretty interesting. She said, It was easy for an outsider, even someone from Naboo, to roll their eyes when the queen's baggage train went by. The reams of fabric, Elaborate handpieces could be dismissed as either wasteful or quaint, depending on the sentiment of the being doing the dismissing. But each piece served a particular function, as did its placement. At the very least, most of the fabrics were treated with resin that made them resistant to blaster fire. The jewels could conceal recording devices or a personal shield. The heaviest dresses maintained a physical barrier around the queen and had, essentially, an escape hatch so that Padme could shed the entire getup, save for the utilitarian undersuit if she needed to move quickly. The headpieces distracted from the queen's face, making it easier for a decoy to step in if required. So in other words, everything the queen wore actually was kind of a James Bond spy tool and wasn't just to look pretty. Beyond the wardrobe, we learn in the book that the queen's handmaidens were equally lethal and useful. They not only advised the queen and assisted in her everyday activities like hair, makeup, and wardrobe, but they were also her bodyguards and they worked very closely with the Naboo security force. They were trained by Captain Panaka himself in multiple areas of discipline. Some were expert slicers, which is basically computer hacking. Some were experts in defensive wardrobe and makeup, and always strove to come up with new tech for it along with new styles. All of them were experts in combat with all manner of weapons and other defensive skills. These girls not only had to be able to protect Padme at all times, but also take her place at a moment's notice, so they also needed to look like her. This happened during the invasion of Naboo, when Sabe took Padme's place and stood in for her, during almost the entire film in order to protect her. The queen's makeup was not only artistic here, but it also hid the fact that Padme was using a decoy. That's pretty self-explanatory. Sabe was unique since she not only looked the most like Padme, but she also thought like Padme. She knew what Padme would do and say, so Padme trusted her to make the right decisions. Yet if there was ever a time that Sabe needed guidance from Padme, like when Qui-Gon Jinn insisted they leave Naboo, Abe and Padme had a system of code they used to communicate, which involved words and body language. This is how Sabe knew that Padme was in favor of leaving the planet. Another thing that Queen's Shadow reveals is where the low monotone Queen Amidala voice came from. Apparently, it wasn't something cultural that all Naboo queens had to speak like that. 
Instead, it was simply that Sabe and Padme didn't sound alike normally, so they developed a low monotone voice together so that no one would be able to tell them apart by voice alone. It was actually the only voice they could both do proficiently and sound the same. When Padme became senator, she made her senatorial aides into handmaidens. Since Danger would be a lot less as a senator, they weren't meant to all be physical doubles, but were all meant to double her brain. They were to be her eyes and ears, spies, basically. They faded into the background and the shadows and picked up on everything that her political opponents were saying. When a physical double was needed, Corday took up that role. Corday looked a lot like Padme, but she had actually been rejected as a queen's handmaiden since she wasn't proficient enough in combat. At the beginning of episode two, she is killed in an assassination attempt against Padme, but the book answers two big questions that I've always had about that. One is why Amidala was dressed so regally during that scene but almost never again in the movie. Another is why Corday wasn't more beat up from the huge explosion. But the answer is simply because she was wearing the protective wardrobe, which greatly shielded her from the blast. But it's also not indestructible, so she still died. I think that's some great plot armor that they decided to put in there, but it, it works, man. It's cool. So what do you guys think about this? I think it's a pretty cool addition to the Star Wars universe, and I certainly wouldn't look at the Handmaidens the same way after this. Hope you guys enjoyed this canon video. Please leave a like if you did, and I'll see you all in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always.